0: Welcome to EarWorm, Dialogues on Hearing Health You Can't Stop Thinking About. EarWorm is brought to you by the National Center for Hearing Assessment and Management at Utah State University, known as NCHAM. I'm Will Eiserman, and I'm the Associate Director of NCHAM, and I'm your host today. Approximately 40% of early childhood hearing loss and deafness can be attributed to a virus known as cytomegalovirus, usually referred to as CMV. If a pregnant woman contracts CMV, it can be transmitted to the fetus in utero. In fact, approximately one out of every 200 babies is born with CMV, of which 90% will present as asymptomatic and will very possibly go unidentified. Of those 90% with asymptomatic congenital CMV, it's estimated that between 10 to 15% will experience hearing loss, which may be present at birth or may develop later in life. In this episode of Earwork, we'll be talking about ways to mitigate the effects of CMV in the early childhood population with a special focus on a new vaccine that is under investigation. Our guest today is Dr. Lori Panther, who is the Vice President of Clinical Development Infectious Diseases at Moderna, where she leads the CMV Vaccine Development Program. Prior to joining Moderna, Dr. Panther was an Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and an Infectious Diseases Specialist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. So welcome, Dr. Panther.
1: First of all, thank you for having me on the podcast.
0: So you work for Moderna. For many of us, the first we ever heard of Moderna was when it stepped into the national, if not worldwide, spotlight as one of the primary companies offering a COVID vaccine. So tell us a little bit about Moderna and what it is you all do.
1: Moderna is a biotech company that is really focused on filling the gaps in healthcare. By tackling diseases that either do not have any mode of prevention or treatment or have modes of prevention or treatment that could be improved. And we do that all through one platform called mRNA technology. Prior to the coronavirus pandemic, we had quite a broad portfolio. Even even before coronavirus, we were working on and still continue to work on several vaccines that are still in development and have been trudging through development throughout the pandemic. Certainly coronavirus changed the picture of the company and also the knowledge about mRNA technology, which was very exciting for us because a lot of our mission at Moderna Is to educate the public through uh, the technology, but also to educate the public about these diseases that are often really not paid very much attention to. So that's our company. It's an incredible collection of incredibly smart, motivated people, and it's just an amazing place to be working at.
0: Well, we want to hear about mRNA technology, but first, let's talk about one of the diseases that Moderna is investigating, which is cytomegalovirus, also known as CMV. What is CMV, Dr. Panther, and why is it of particular concern for newborns? Sure.
1: Cytomegalovirus is a mouthful, to be sure. So let's call it CMV. And it's a virus that is in the herpes virus family. You know, we think of herpes as a a particular disease or infection. Uh, There are several viruses in this family called herpes viruses and CMV is, is one of them. CMV is complicated from A to Z. It's a complicated virus. It's complicated to develop a vaccine against and it causes a kind of complicated picture in infection in humans. The majority of us have been infected with CMV by the time we hit around 40 or 50 years old. It's a virus that's acquired through contact with infected secretions, which sounds extremely yucky. But mainly the viruses present in saliva and urine uh, and, and so contact with those substances will often result in an infection of somebody who's never been exposed to
0: the virus. So if so many of us have been infected by CMV, how is it that so few of us outside of the medical community know about or even ever heard of CMV?
1: If you and I were to get a CMV infection right now, we probably wouldn't notice it. Healthy people usually don't have symptoms. The caveat here is that when a mom who is pregnant or about to be pregnant is infected with CMV, She has a risk of passing on that virus to her unborn child. And when someone gets CMV infected, the virus is transiently in the the bloodstream. So that's how the child gets infected through the placenta and then to the fetus. Most of the severe damage of CMV occurs in an infant who acquires that CMV infection through that route from mother
0: to, to fetus. Okay, so CMV is a virus that easily floats around the general population without most people even realizing they are contracting it or spreading it. But it's when the pregnant individual, who also may not be aware that she has contracted it, passes it on to the fetus in utero, that serious impacts can occur for the fetus.
1: The manifestations can be quite varied from no symptoms in the infant to severe symptoms right there in the labor and delivery room to perhaps delay diagnosis of sensory neural hearing loss. And the sensory neural hearing loss is the most uh, common manifestation of, of CMV infection in a child. And the reason is that the CMV virus uh, loves nerve cells. And if CMV happens to be around during the development of the fetal ear and hearing apparatus, then that definitely causes damage to the proper formation of the the nerve and the nerves that supply uh, the cochlea.
0: What is the incidence of CMV and some of the various outcomes of CMV?
1: Overall in the U.S., approximately one in every 200 live births are infants with congenital CMV infection. So that adds up to somewhere around 35, 40,000 infants a year. The spectrum of what an infant with congenital CMV infection looks like in the delivery room or shortly after birth is, is quite wide. The most severe manifestations occur in about 10% of those congenitally infected infants and can range from microcephaly to manifestations of a systemic CMV infection. So the liver gets infected, which results in jaundice, which results in abnormalities in the blood, like low platelet count, like high liver function tests. CMV can infect the retina because retina are full of of nerves as well, and so blindness can can manifest uh, again. Organ enlargement, liver enlargement, spleen enlargement. It's a systemic systemic infection. And of those ten percent of infant, congenitally infected infants who with those very severe manifestations, about ten percent of those infants don't see their first birthday. And the mortality rate is is is, uh, is uh, remarkable in those severely infected infants. And then there's the rest of the spectrum. So 85, 90% of, of infants either have mild manifestations, you know, like a few a little rash or mild jaundice.
0: So a small percentage of CMV-infected infants can have pretty severe manifestations.
1: And the majority of infants with congenital infection Uh, appear well um, in the labor and delivery room.
0: And because they appear well, their CMV infection often goes undiagnosed. Correct. So infants with symptomatic CMV can face a range of health challenges at birth, some of which can be quite serious. And among those challenges, one is being at risk for hearing loss with it either already present at birth or developing hearing loss later and even possibly progressing over time correct and so the risk of developing hearing loss is also present in that larger asymptomatic group of children who have congenital cmv often without anyone realizing they have cmv and that's no small deal because cmv is a significant contributor to early childhood hearing loss. Yes, it's
1: the most common non-genetic cause of hearing loss in children and estimated to be the cause of approximately a quarter of the world's neurosensory hearing loss burden.
0: So sometimes children don't pass their newborn hearing screening.
1: Which prompts the doctor to test for CMV.
0: And if the child tests positive for CMV, then they may be treated with antivirals, which have increasing evidence of being able to minimize, if not maybe even reverse the effects of hearing loss on the auditory system. Correct. A positive CMV diagnosis also provides the parents and doctor with important information suggesting the need to track the child's hearing status over time so that if the child's hearing changes, immediate steps can be taken.
1: Now, otherwise, in general, infants are not routinely tested for CMV when they're born. That's not, that's not a routine test that an infant is given. And so a lot of these kids fall through the cracks and go on to manifest their CMV infection as hearing loss in early childhood or later childhood, and it can be progressive.
0: So a lot of kids with late onset hearing loss may not have the opportunity of having a timely diagnosis of their hearing loss because the CMV as a risk factor wasn't ever identified.
1: And so that opportunity for those kids who are going to be losing their hearing or diagnosed with a late onset hearing loss is lost because we didn't diagnose that CMV infection right after they were born
0: okay, all of that really clarifies why identifying congenital CMV can be so important. But it sure would be nice if we could just prevent CMV in the first place. And that's where Moderna comes in.
1: The development of a, of a vaccine against CMV infection has been underway at Moderna for around six and a half or seven years in the clinic and earlier than that in the laboratory. But um Like I said, CMV is a complicated virus.
0: Okay, Dr. Panther, take us into the so-called weeds.
1: Every virus has antigens, but uh, CMV's antigens are called GB and pentamer. And those antigens have a particular talent to allow that virus to enter a cell. And so the mRNA technology that we've leveraged to create a candidate vaccine, an experimental vaccine, has been to encode those antigens so that we know the genetic sequence of those antigens. And so the mRNA that is included in our particular CMV vaccine are mRNAs that encode the GB antigen in its full length and then the pentamer antigen. And just as an aside, this antigen pentamer is called pentamer for a reason because. It's not just one big protein. It's a a protein that's made up of five little protein subunits. And so our vaccine includes those five mRNA sequences that encode those, those five pentamer subunits. And so what happens when we give the experimental vaccine to study participant is that those mRNAs go into the muscle, just like every vaccine is, is a shot in the arm. And those mRNA pieces are translated into their little subunit proteins. And then within our cells, just as if it were a real, truly real CMV infection, but this is just a little chunk of CMV, those little five subunits self-assemble just like little magnets and create this pentamer antigen, this five subunit pentamer antigen, which physically looks like the actual CMV viral antigen. When we give ourselves the information or the recipe to make these proteins, our body does it in exactly the same way they would if it were a real viral infection. And so it's a natural conformity type of antigen that our immune system responds to. And we are in the process of investigating if it responds well enough that it actually prevents a real CNB infection. And that's what our development program is all about.
0: So where are you in the development process?
1: At this point, we're in the phase three study, which a phase three study is essentially testing if the vaccine really works. A lot of the earlier phases of vaccine development are testing if it's safe, first of all, and then if it's safe, and then what dose is the best dose, and then the next phase is, is it safe (laughs) and is it effective? And so we're at that third step at this point in time
0: in our development program. What does that look like in terms of knowing if it's effective?
1: Is it effective in terms of does it prevent actual natural CMV infection? And luckily, the way that we can easily detect that is that we can can do a blood test before the vaccination and then after the vaccination and and on into the couple of years periodically we test these individuals who have gotten vaccinated. We are in the middle of a phase three trial, which essentially is a trial of approximately 7,000 women of childbearing age. So between the ages of 16 and 40, the trial is designed that these women are divided into essentially two groups. One group gets placebo, one group gets active vaccine. And we can measure it through actually just a, a simple blood test throughout time, whether or not these women have acquired natural infection against cmv and we have a lot of bells and whistles designed you know uh, included into the study but that, those are that's the basic bones of the study it's it's a relatively simple question and the size of the study has the biostatistical power to answer that question
0: now during the period when vaccines were being rolled out for the coronavirus which also employed mrna technology There were some concerns about cardiac issues specifically associated with the mRNA vaccines. Is that concern being addressed in the current trial?
1: Yes, certainly. All of the trials that are currently ongoing are assessing for any occurrence of cardiac abnormalities. The exact causes of those reversible short-lived abnormalities in mRNA-based COVID vaccines is not fully peased out, there has been some suggestion that antigen-focused, you know, it's particular to COVID. And I'd like to remind you at this point that individuals who are naturally infected with covid 19 have a much 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 higher uh, incidence of having the cardiac issues and, and severe cardiac issues from the actual viral infection than the very unusual event that happens after an mrna based covid vaccine that said as you might imagine we are very closely following any safety issues at all but particularly cardiac safety issues with all of our programs and and have not found any signal like a cardiac signal in any of our other programs.
0: But we're continuing to monitor. So I have to ask, at a time when there are some fairly strong opinions in the general public and even voiced politically about vaccinations, including a certain measure of vaccine hesitancy out there, how do you anticipate this being addressed if Moderna does in fact produce an effective vaccine for CMV?
1: Very good question. I think that we try to focus on education, not only about the mRNA platform, but also very importantly about the effect or the burden on children that CMV causes. And it's not really a topic that people talk about, you know, over cocktails, CMV. We have a formidable group of individuals whose sole focus is to educate the public about CMV, especially educate women are looking forward to having another child or, uh, you know, starting a family, approximately the same number of kids are born with CMV infection as the number of kids that are born with Down syndrome. And if you were to ask your average person on the street, if they've heard of Down syndrome, there's a decent chance that they'd say yes, but there's practically no chance, (laughs) a little chance (laughs) that they would say, yes, I've heard of CMV infection. So, So we have a job to do looking forward to this vaccine approving efficacy, we have worked extremely hard on designing this study to, to give us clean data and to tell us exactly what we want to know, right? Assuming that we are going forward, uh, that's our next challenge is to to communicate the importance to the community that this is this really is sort of a hidden problem for families. And in many cases, actually, can be devastating to families and obviously devastating to the infected infant, but devastating to the family, every member of the family. And so, you know, it really does tug on all all of our heartstrings when we talk to these families and hear their stories.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Panther, for sharing the exciting work you're doing at Moderna that can potentially have... A dramatic impact on the prevalence of the leading non genetic cause of early childhood hearing loss, cytomegalovirus. So, we know with research and development of this type, you can't make predictions about when a vaccine will actually become available. But, how can people follow your progress with this?
1: Watch the Moderna website, I would say,
0: which is modernatx.com.
1: This particular phase three trial will be able to give us the the key, crucial information as to what comes next with this development program. It may give us enough information that we can actually file for licensure.
0: And I'm sure that can be time-consuming in and of itself.
1: For sure. But, um, but we're, you know, we're planning for success. And so, you know, we're hoping that we, we do meet that goal. We do meet that milestone. This is the trial that will will essentially inform the direction of our next step.
0: That was Dr. Lori Panther from Moderna. I'm Will Eiserman from the National Center for Hearing Assessment and Management at Utah State University. Check out EarwormPodcast.org for other episodes of Earworm dialogues on hearing health you can't stop thinking about. is produced at the National Center for Hearing Assessment and Management, NCHAM, at Utah State University, USU, and is funded in part by a cooperative agreement from the Maternal and Child Health Bureau, MCHB, of the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Any views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by participants in Earworm are solely that of the participants, and no endorsement by NCHAM, USU, or MCHB-HRSA is implied or expressed.